You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, this is um, the Gaonic literature, Recovering the Lost Gems. Now, here, the gems are really spilled all over the place. Um, this is a, uh, we, we hearken back to Gaonic Psokim because the question was relevant and the Gaonim weighed in on it. And the Gaonim seemed to have weighed in on it in a way that cleared the path. And the Rishonim were not sure whether these Gaonic directives had any lasting halachic weight. And therefore, it really goes to the heart of everything we've been talking about, about who the Gonim were and what their significance were. And were their statements, you know, just the statements of early rabbis or did they represent Chazal? Uh, the, the reason why it was, this was relevant was because it had to do with questions that came up and are still coming up even in today's time. We know that the mitzvah and the process connected to the mitzvah of Yibum, the process of what to do in a case of Yibum, the option of chalitza, these are these do not fade away with a destruction of the temple. These aren't relegated to something that's ancient and it's not part of our lives. It is part of our lives. And although... Um, you would think, oh, it's rare. It isn't rare at all. Um, there are, uh, it happens on a, on a pretty constant basis that a, a, a person married to a woman dies without children. And now the brother, if there is a brother, has to perform or has to have chalitza performed to him. Um, which is, in a sense, he performs chalitza, but he allows the chalitza to occur. Um, and this, of course, frees the widow, because otherwise the widow is bound. She's like an aguna. She's not able to, um, she's a widow. She, many times that brother was not just a very nice guy hanging out and ready to do the job. He was sometimes a person that was spiteful, a person who hated, a person who didn't believe, a person who they couldn't find. And therefore, what to do with this aguna? And the gaonim already weighed in on this. And who these gaonim were and what they said has been a source of great debate for hundreds and hundreds of years. I would say close to 900 years. And it really is something that um, uh, it can, it, I don't know if we could do justice to it in one or two sessions. <laughs> I know we can't, but at least we can see some of the complexity involved in some of the issues. And this isn't something where, oh, well, some obscure gaon. We're talking about issues that after the Gaonim weighed in on it, we have Rashi, we have the Rishaya Datrani, we have the Orzarua, the Mordechai, the Bautrum Asadeshan, and all the great Achronim, because these questions came up and they continue to come up. They still are issues that we have today. And it really, I think, has taken on a relevancy about uh, <laughs> what is the nature of apostasy? What is the nature of someone who is not part of Judaism anymore. And it really deals with that, that issue. And also it deals with the issue of, of, of retroactively canceling a marriage, as you'll see, which of course is all connected to this type of husband who is a non-believer or a person who is not Jewish. So this is a really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of stuff here. And I'm going to start with some just simple reading. Now, the place where I, there's uh, Rabbi Yom Menashe Levin collected in his book, Otsar Gaonim, Gaonic material from 
the sources. He was living in the first part of the 20th century. And by that time, as I told you, there was an explosion of material and there was enough uh, around. More has been added since his time. But that work is a, is a, is a crucial work, which collects Gaonic material. So let's take a look and we'll read some of the material here from the Otsar Gaonim and figure out where it's from as well. So Rav Benamim Ashledin first quotes, Kosvu b'tshuva sagaonim, sha'altem mi shehimir v'yeshlo isha bas yisro v'lo himiro. V'ein lo bonem imena. V'yeshlo ach yehudi. U'meis hamumar v'lo bonem mi yisraelit. Now this is really the opposite of the standard question. The standard question that, that I said has been such a thorn in people's side is when the brother is a mumer. But Benyama Nashulvin actually quotes here from the Or Zerua, uh, Rabbi Yitzchak from Wien, from Vienna. Um, we have this phenomenon of people going over to Christianity. And I think this is really going to be a side question. How authentic were those acts of conversion? How authentic were they? Um, and how? But let's assume for now that the authenticity is not in question. So what happened? A per, you, it says the Gaonim were asked, Okay. In other words, his wife stayed true to Judaism, and he sta- and they stayed married. And they never had children. And there's a, a brother who keeps the mitzvot. And she, like many people, like a, a, a sort of a, a disproportionate marriage. The Yeshvo Ach Yehudi. And her husband dies. Does, should Yibum be done? Should the brother be involved? And if he doesn't want, is, is there Yibum? Is there Chalitza? So let's take a look and see what the Psak was. At this point, the Gaonim were giving the option of Yibum. Now, this is a very interesting aspect of the Psak. This fellow that she was married to never gave her a divorce. And he went as a Christian and started living a Christian life and had Christian children. Non-Jewish children. So the uh, the psaq was he doesn't become a non-Jew even though he, he, didn't, he, le- he leaves his wife without a divorce, goes and lives with a non-Jew. He's a mummer. He's a person who has switched. His wife, who never received a divorce, needs to have chalitza done. We don't say that the fact that he becomes a mummer means that he's out of this parsha. So that is the first question that is dealt with. Was there a unanimous uh, um, uh, acceptance of this? We don't know, but this is what the Gaonim were writing. Okay, that would is if this psak stays, and he says tshuva zumatzasi b'sefer hamitzaot. So again, we this really makes us have to do some detective work to figure out who, where, what is this book where it was found. But let's assume that we're talking about the ninth or eighth or ninth century. Okay, that would seem to say that whether it was Islam what we were talking about, or some sort of uh, uh, some sort of uh, Byzantinium Christianity that we're talking about, Byzantine Christianity, that that doesn't mean that you're out of the Parsha. Okay, now we get to the next question. Sha'altem. Now, where does this come from? So this comes from the Halochos Psukos, the Sha'aret Zion, and this was from Rav Paltui. And this we find in the collection called Sefer Aitur, which was from Provence, which was similar to the Ritzgeus that we spoke about, a Sefer that collected many, many 
a halachot of psokim of the Gaonim. So, um, so this is in 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 in, in some material. This supposedly was Rafpalti Gaon. So we have to know who Rafpalti Gaon is. But first, let's see what he says before we figure out who he is. Shnei Achim, Echod Yehudi, Ve'Echod Mishumid. There's two brothers. Shimon becomes a Mishumid, a Christian. Omed Oso Yehudi, Oras Isha. So Ruvain stays a good Jew, marries a woman, Viniftar. Okay. He is in some barbarian. He's, he's living far away, living as a Christian in some distant area. He has kids. He's totally out of connection from Judaism. He doesn't consider himself a Jew. He's got a whole family. And we can't get there. We know he's, we, we, we think he's probably alive. We don't know that he's dead. But how are we supposed to find him? So now we have, what is she supposed to do? And this happened in the 20th century. And this still happens. Where? Right. What are we supposed to do? So, kach re'inu, shezu arusa shenof lefnei yovah mishomid, mitagenet, v'yosheves lo'olam, v'ein lo takona, v'lo efshuwa linose achiyachot zlo mishomid. Wow. So Rav Paltigon is making a strong statement here. He is saying that I don't care if the man is a Mishumid. Chalitza still needs to happen. He's not off the grid. The, why? But look at the way he's living. He's living in Eretz Barbarium. He's not living like a Jew at all. Nebuch, the poor woman. Look, people make choices in their lives. Those choices do not stop them, those do not eliminate their Judaism. They were born a Jew. They were conceived and born Jewish. So therefore, she's the kukaliibum. The low mishtariya haki aguna adachovitzlo. And therefore he needs to come. And of course, the question is can you make a shuliach for Khalitsa is another question. Um this is a whole discussion whether you could do a shlichus for Khalitsa. But you need to contact him to even see if you can do shlichus. Most poskim say chalitza has to be done by the, you can't have a shlich for chalitza. And that's another issue which we're going to talk about because that could, that helps in many situations, especially in today's time. And that's something which, which we, we would, we will look into. But here, the question is, is that uh, we can't even reach the guy. And unfortunately, she's going to stay, according to this, an Aguna. Now, that was the psak of Rav Paltigon. Very tough psak. I want to show you here now another uh, thing from the Gaonim. And this is also from, we find it in Halachas Psukot. Halachas Psukot is a collection of Gaonic material that either was before the Bahag or is, was, was appended to the Bahag. So we're talking about 8th, 9th century material. However, here the name is familiar to us. Rav Chanoch Ber Rav Moshe. And that name is something that we seems to be from one of the captives that was ransomed and therefore we're talking here about a psak from North Africa, not from not from Iraq. This seems to be from uh from one of the someone from the Gaonic school, but it seems to be a later psak. Let's see what it says. Almana Orusa Shanofalifne Yovam Mishumid Ain Watakona Chiyachutsla Osa Mishumid. Okay. Prove it. The Mishnah says, Mishi Ach. If you have any brother 
He could be one day old. He could be a mamzer. Mikol makom, it says, any brother there is. Zokekas eishas achav liyibam. But achav luchodavar. In other words, there are brothers that are biological brothers that don't count for Zika. Well, one of the obvious ones is a brother from the same mother, but not the same father. Halacha is that it's only brothers who share the inheritance of the father. A biological half-brother would not be an issue here. There would be no mitzvah of Yibum, and she wouldn't have a problem. The problem is, is that, 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 that her husband's father fathered another son. Now, if he had fathered that son from a, 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 a shivcha, a, girl, a woman who was not a full Jew, who was a slave woman, or a non-Jew, that brother wouldn't count. And that's really what the point of Rav Palti was. I agree, Rav Palti knew there were biological brothers that are off the grid, but the ones that make it into the, the, uh, into the formulation do not, through their actions, eliminate themselves. Amishumid, kivan dairasa then she is aguna. So that is the psak from Rav Palti and Rav Hanoch that seems to have spread in areas of North Africa as well. Choskedolos. Sof Hilchos Yavamos. This is the, the Venice manuscript, the Venice edition. And the uh, the one that's called Aspamia. So this is found in the Bahag, not in every edition of the Bahag, not in the one that Hildesheimer found in the Vatican, but it, it is in the Bahag. What does the Bahag say? Shomeris Yavam Dinafla Kame Mishumid Lo Mishtalmed Lo Lo Mishtarya La Alma Ad so this, if this Bahag holds true, we seem to have a very consistent psak from Rav Palti and others that she is an Aguna. Let's see the rationale. He still has the Kedusha of a Jew. One second, he's a Meshumid though. Hasn't he, hasn't he thrown his Kedusha away? So the proof is the Kaimalon, the Gemara in Yavama says that if you have a ger who is Chazar Lusuro, a ger who decides, I hate Judaism. He's, he was a Jew for a, a month, living like a Jew for a month. And then he decided, you know what, this is crazy. It's too late. And if he mar- a woman that he marries, that he gives Kedushan to, we consider a woman who was technically married to a Jew and would need a get and everything else. Now, if that's true, my friends, for a person who has barely been Jewish for a month and who goes through conversion, all the more so, it should be true for someone who started off his life as a Jew and was born as a Jew. So therefore, if the Kedushan works, according to this Bahag, then that's the proof. So we have two proofs. First of all, you see, the Gemara said that it's, it's a known fact. Kedushan of a Mumer is something. So if the Kedushan is there, then he's connected to Yubam as well. The other fact was, is that He's a brother. A brother is any type of brother, no matter what. He's still a brother. He's a physical brother. So the problem here is, is that it, there is not a universal uh, tradition from the Gaonim. If we take a look here, 
we have the following. Now this comes from the book Itur. Itur, as I said, was a, a, a book from Provence in the, um, the early, well, it's the late 12th, early 13th century. So it's, 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 it's as early as Rabbeinu Tam. It's one of the first great works from Provence that we have. Rabbi Yitzchok ben Abamori of Marseille. And he quotes Rav Yehudoi, which we usually think is the Bahag. Now, what does it say? E kad nosva bal haviyova mumer lo boy chalitza mine. That if Ruvain and Shimon, if when Ruvain married Rachel, Shimon was already a practicing Christian or Muslim, then if Ruvain dies, you don't need Chalitza from Shimon. And let's go the opposite. Let's say Ruvain was the Mumer. And she was forced to stay with him. Now, does that mean he left her without a divorce or he just forced her to live with him? Point was, there was never any separation between the two. Umeis Bamaros, when Ruvain dies, a Christian, a Muslim, below Bonim, Eina Zukuka Liovam. So here we have a, a Kuladikabsak on both ends. That if the if at the time of the marriage the brother was not part of Klal Yisrael by his actions and decided to go over to some other religion, he was a mummer, a mishumid, or the husband in the middle of the marriage becomes one, then we say there is no mitzvah yibum. Why? So, they're not brothers. Hmm. Now, remember, the other Gaonim wrote, Rav Chanoch wrote, Rav Moshe Rav Chanoch wrote, no, any brother counts. A baby brother, a mamzer brother. This psak, seemingly from, the, from a tradition of the Bahag, seems to say that that's not true. That you can become a non-brother. These guys aren't the same. One of them's a Jew, one of them's not acting like a Jew. So even though, so this is really the chop here, <laughs> it would seem, even though it might be right, like we saw the, that, if, that if Kedushin, if one of these guys gives Kedushin, we'd be worried. But towards themselves, Reuven and Shimon themselves are not Achim. Shimon, or if he becomes a Mishumid, decides to give Kedushin to Abbas Yisrael, we're going to need a get. But Shimon and Ruvain are not Achim. That is what the Bahag seems to be Machadish here. That's not called, right? do you hear what I'm saying? It's not that, he's, that he has left the Jewish people, but he, the two brothers aren't unified here. Now, this of course leads to the question, which I know you're thinking, how about if they're both Mumrim, right? It's not they're both Mumrim, it sounds like it would be okay. Right? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. In other words, one of, it's either one's a mummer and the other one isn't. So if one is and one isn't, you can't call these guys brothers. They might have the same DNA. They might be identical twins, but they're not Achim. They don't share the same fealty to God. They're not in the same world. So therefore, the idea of one replacing the other doesn't make sense. So Yibum isn't a question, and, and therefore there's no chalitza as well. That's what he says. You're going to say, that's, that's the brother? What sort of brother is that? And therefore, because Yibam and chalitza are a package deal. So that is, now, if you look at, if, and again, obviously there seems to be a problem here because there's, there's a counter tradition in the Bahag if this is the same Rabbi Yudoy Gon, 
that disagrees with this, that he that he's basically a Jew. But this seems to be the response. Yes, I agree, he's a Jew, but he's not a brother to the guy who died. Um, there's another element here. And the other element here is that it sounds like there's a difference as to when he becomes a mummer. And for that, I want to take us over to another psak of the Gaonim, which is quoted by the Or Zerua. And let's take a look. In other words, the question was raised. Now, Masa is basically a city in Bovel, but it really became um, Baghdad. Baghdad became Masa Machasya, Sura, Pompadisa. They all ended up in Baghdad. That's where all the yeshivas ended up. But the point was, they, it was a big yeshiva in Sura, and the question was raised about what to do. And they answered, And there is Zika. Hmm. In other words, if Ruvain, when Ruvain does the Kedushan to Leah or Rachel, so now, and Shimon at this point is still a practicing Jew, so now, when Ruvain dies, she's connected to Shimon. Why? Because what's the reason why Yibam works? What's the magic behind the fact that what should be a verboten erotic relationship can be allowed. What's the magic that allows Yibum to work? Is we're going into the mechanism of what Yibum is. Think about it again. A, a, a brother to another brother. Okay. When they were alive, when the when Reuven was alive, Rachel, Reuven's wife, was Aishas Ach, was an erva, was a, was a verboten, erotic relationship, one of the arayot that you be of kares for. What happens when there's no children that all of a sudden Shimon can step in into Reuven's shoes? The magic of the mitzvah of Yibum, the mystery of Yibum without getting into the Kabbalistic explanation that somehow Shimon can harness the essence of his dead brother's soul and bring it back. Let's not even talk about that. What's the, what's the actual legalistic mechanism? So as you can see here, the yeshiva in Baghdad, in Sura, explained the original marriage that when Reuven marries Rachel, there's like a clause in that marriage that connects Shimon. So it's almost like you want to know where he's connected to her, and now he just shows up and says, according to the Torah, all right, I'm doing Yibam, whether you like it or not. We've talked about in our Yevamashir how the rabbis instituted the genteel institution of Maimar to make it feel more like a real marriage. But in the Torah's world, the way the Torah wrote it, they are already, in a sense, connected with that Zika. How did that happen? It happened because at the moment that Ruvain marries Rochel, there's a clause in that relationship which binds Shimon, a living brother, to Rochel in case Ruvain dies. So really, we need to figure out what was his status at the time of the marriage. So if at the time of the marriage, he was 
still a practicing Jew, there we need to find him, even though now he's a mummer, a mishumid, living in the barbaric uh, island somewhere. Aval, vadai kinos vabal, hahu yova mummer, avikodam But if at the time of the marriage he was already a mummer, then lotzricha chalitza. So this is saying something different. This is saying not that these two brothers are not the same, but that in order to be part of this Yibam clause, the magical Yibam clause that allows you to step into your brother's shoes, you need to, at the moment of Kiddushin, you are still on the same wavelength. But if at that moment of Kiddushin, you weren't you were already a, a Mishumid. You weren't part of this situation at all. So then, what's the din? There's no Yibam. Because you're not connected. What connects you? The original marriage. Well, at the time of the original marriage, you were off the you weren't part of our religion. You can't be tied into that Kedushan. Now, it's true, you could do your own Kedushan, it would seem, and we would be worried about it, but you can't be tied into your brother's Kedushan. Because your brother's Kedushan, to that far to be tied into your brother's Kedushan, which is what allows Yibam to work, you, uh, if you're a mummer, there's a disconnect. And of course, the question is, wait, how about if he, done, how about if he did Kedushan to Leah, Shimon? We would say, get a get. So why can't he be tied into his brother's Kedushan, even though he's a mummer? So is this a real logic or not? It's, it's a way out. Now, it doesn't help for the, in the case where Shimon becomes a mummer afterwards. But if Shimon was a mummer at the time, this would be allowed. And you can see now that's what the Bahag meant as well. So we now have a way out if we can determine when they became a Mummer. Now, which came first? The anti Mummer Chuva, anti Aguna Chuva, or the pro as a way to? Rashi wrote in very tough fashion that you cannot rely on it. It might have come down to us from the Gaonim, and this seems to be a way out for these poor women. I am sorry, you cannot rely on it. Rashi says why. It doesn't, the logic doesn't hold up. If you're going to say that if Shimon becomes a mummer after the marriage, okay, and then we do need to find him in order to do chalitza. So what's, if that's true, that even though he's in this Christian Muslim state, you still need to bring him in. What does it make a difference when the Kedushan was? You're calling him a Jew later. And if you really believe that somehow by becoming a Christian, he's a guy, so how are you bringing him in to do chalitza now? So Rashi felt that this difference between before and after doesn't seem to make sense. And therefore he says, unfortunately, I have to rule against it. Um, Hananel. Rabbi Hananel says 
what is it that creates the connection between the two brothers, meaning Shimon, to Rochel? Remember, Ruvain and Shimon are the brothers. Ruvain dies, leaving Rochel childless, and Shimon is, the, is called the Yovam. What is it that creates the connection? Not the original marriage, Rabbeinu Hananel said. If you go through the Gemara and Yavamot, you'll see that it's Misa Mapelet. It's, the, what's, it's at the moment he dies, the creation of the relationship happens. It's not somehow it's tied at the original act of marriage. It's the moment that Ruvain dies, leaving Rachel childless, that what is created in Shimon is a Zika towards Rachel. And therefore, Rabbeinu Hananel actually went the other way. He actually went the other way, the reverse. Even if at the time of the marriage he was a good practicing Jew, He's not considered a Jew. The problem with this psak is, of course, the Gemara I mentioned before, that we are that if he would if we do if this guy would do kedushin, we would demand a get before we'd let this woman re- get married to somebody, and we wouldn't let her marry a Cohen afterwards. So this is the opposite. That really it all depends on what's going on at the time of death, and this really gets into the question: What is it that connect connects them? So here you see the first time he says, because at the time of death, he's not a Jew. Rashi fought tooth and nail against this idea. In fact, about people who were quote-unquote mishumadim is different than it was the hundreds of years before that. Rav Palti, Rav Moshe ben Rachanoch, Rachanoch ben Moshe, the Rav Yudoi, most of the mumrim they were talking about were mumrim who willfully went over to the other religion. Obviously, it was easier for them. Most of the cases of Rashi were talking about Jews who were forced to convert and publicly accept Jesus and live for a while, like a Christian. And the question was, are we going to... Rashi, I think it was an anathema to Rashi to consider them goyim, to consider them non-Jews. So I think we're almost talking about two different types of people. But I wonder, I want, I want, I want to read you a number of psalkim from Rashi. And, you know, we, we, we're used to Rashi being our teacher, Rabbi Shal Yisrael. Here's Rashi as a posik. Um, so, one question. What, what is the status of these Anusim, these people who have accepted Christianity? So, he accepted Christianity, and now he's gone to a new city. Can you drink wine with him? Can you sit at the same table with him? If he touches your wine, do you need to now throw it out? So Rashi said, even though he was mishtamed, below chil shabbatot, so he called himself a Christian, but he kept the Sabbath. You can drink with him. The Omer Gershon Skar v'Kibul of Kol Mitzvus Umawon Asov Nisrapim Atvimon Asov Etov of Olav Eruk Yisrael V'Chol Devrayim V'Mishtamim U'Mekadesh. You need to his kedushin. His kedushin needs to get 
Again, the same source that the Gaonim brought. The Gemara says that a, guy, a person who was a Gare and goes against being a Gare again, knows he doesn't want to be a Jew, we still consider him a Jew. A person who decides to accept Jesus, baptism is, is, is no better. He's still a Jew no matter what. And as long as he's, even though he says, I accept Jesus as my God, and I'm not Jewish, and he says it in front of the priest, whoever it is that's forcing him to say it, he's still a Jew. He says, now, if this Mishuman was Machalo Shabbos, so then I'll say he's not like a Jew, I'll admit. Because that could be, but that could be a person who's not a Mishuman, anyone who openly doesn't keep Shabbos. And he brings another source. The Bryce says, We accept Korbonos from people who don't live a complete Jewish life. Because if we didn't, they would not do tshuva. Unless they're a Meshumid, for what? That they go and do Avodah And they're Machal Shabbos. So if this man is known to violate Shabbos, I agree. Don't drink with him. Ignore, uh, treat him with the cold shoulder, with the nazifa. Now, if they were forced to be Machal Shabbos, and we don't know they've done tshuva, if we see now they're doing tshuva, then we can say, we welcome you back. God, they go back to being a kosher Jew. In fact, Rashi said, a Kohen, who gives, who, see, who, who publicly becomes a Christian, he can go back to doing birchas kohanim If he's done tshuva, how does he know? Who's, who don't we let do Birchaz Kohanim? A Kohen Balmum, that everybody's staring at his hands. Everybody's looking at him. But if you have someone who's become a Christian and now comes back to the fold, we let him back in. He can, he can go back. We don't say he was an Ovid Avodah He can go back and, and continue his job as doing Birchaz Kohanim, calling him up first. So Rashi, again, is showing consistently a, a positive attitude, a liberal attitude to people who had, quote-unquote, become turncoats and had converted. Again, a question was asked Rashi. There was a young girl, Shiniskadsha, to two men. She accepted Kedushin from two different men. And both of these men were men who could not resist, who didn't want to die, who decided, because of the threats that were rampant, to publicly accept Christianity. The people who saw the Kedushin were also part of that group. Says Rashi, I believe that if that's what, that's what occurred, that you're going to need a divorce from both of them. Even if this would be a case like it was in the time of the Gaonim, that people flocked to Christianity mostly willfully. I would say even if that was the case, their Kedushin is a Kedushin. As we saw, Rashi says, therefore, you need them to do Chalitza. And Rashi felt what this is what he was proclaiming. And this is why Rashi resisted the Psak of the Gaonim, did not want it to take hold, despite the, the benefits of this Psak. Clearly, this benefited the Agunos. But unfortunately, you send another message. And the message was, was that once you're a Christian, you're finished, that you're not a Jew. Not that you're dead, Dr. Kogan, but that you're out of the Jewish people. And that's, Rashid says, that's not true. 
You can't become a non-Jew. It's a lie. Because we know, yes, Jews can be sinners. But they're still a Jew. And especially the ones of today's time, that they don't have the wherewithal and the fortitude to die for their religion. But really, in their hearts, they believe in God. And we see that when we can get them out of the monastery or wherever they are, they'll come. And even if there were other Jews, he says, I feel ro Yehudim shenigo atzman behefker, ba'odim beinagodim. Even if we've heard that when they were living as quote-unquote Christians, that they were fooling around with Christian girls, that doesn't mean that we can't, oh, you can't trust them, and therefore they're not witnesses to the marriage because, all right, they're not perfect. But in order to be considered witnesses for the marriage that occurred, even if the marriage occurred in a church, you don't have to be a perfect person. We Paskin, Rashi says, Rashi feels that even though, not everybody agrees with this, but even though the people who saw the marriage are suspect are suspicious of, 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 of having affairs with the Gentile girls, they can still be considered proper witnesses to the marriage that occurred between this girl and this man. Yavera would not be believed to allow a, a, a woman to be considered a, um, an almana. We wouldn't believe them necessarily that, that the, her original husband had died. But Rashi says we would believe them to say that a marriage occurred. Now, all of this that I am telling you is, 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 is all, Rashi is very consistent of, a, of an attack on the mindset that conversion means something. Rashi believes that the conversion is in itself not a proof. And that is the reason why he resisted this psaq of the Gaonim. Unfortunately, we need it, or we needed something like it in the 20th century because we were faced with a situation where we had brothers that had become atheists, unreachable. And the questions arose. And if we, although what Rashi was saying was definitely important for his time, but his neutralizing of the psak of the Gaonim is something that stings because it means that these women are going to be agunos. Two of the greats of the 20th century squared off about this. Uh, the great Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the Ragachover, and one of the most interesting, important poskim of the mid, of the early and mid 20th century, Rabbi Chil Yaakov Weinberg, known as the Sridei There are two brothers. One, right, Meshumid Uporik Ol Mitzvot. In other words, one is a, a, just a Mishumad. Mm-hmm. One is practicing Christian. The other is, I don't believe in anything. <laughs> so, and we, can, and we are able to get to those person. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm a zero. Now, 
the one who's a Christian says, well, I've left the religion, but I, I recognize the sanctity in some sense of the Old Testament. Correct. So, Correct. so I will do the, I will have the chalitza done to me. Masher ala kofer b'tores Yisrael. He says, what, are you crazy? <laughs> this thing is right. primitive, ridiculous. Right, right, right. So, Rav Echod Gotol Mufursim. That was the Ragachover. And the, the reason why the Ragachover got involved in it, daughter. Um, his daughter was married to Rabbi Yisrael Sitron of Pesach Tikva. And she had two brothers-in-law. One brother-in-law uh, the one who said, I don't believe in anything, lived in Leningrad, mm-hmm. where he couldn't be reached. Yep. The other lived in Konigsberg, had converted with Christianity. Oy. So, the Ragachover said that the we should reform the man from Konigsberg. Interesting. For that reason, as you explained, right, that he will might still respect the because old he says that what right um, his reason was no one who rejects the in, that one who rejects the entire Torah like the man in Leningrad is halachically no better than one who converts to another faith. So it says the Ragachevers said it doesn't make a difference who would do the chalitza; they're both the same. Uh huh. So, and therefore, he said that, all right, who do you have here? Um, the Konigsberg one is a Christian? Go to him. So therefore, he says, get the one who basically, um, the one that we know that is going to be involved with us. The Sridiyash was not so sure. And therefore, he said, I'm not sure if this is the case. And that is why he got involved into this discussion. Again, going back to who is off the grid and who's not. Right. In other words, is the, is the one who is the atheist off the grid or is the Christian off the grid? Who has lost it? Based on the information yeah. we've seen tonight, it would seem to be that this, you know, is, is, is depending on this machlokas that we have in the Gaonim. And then Rashi, and that's really part of what the challenge uh, was. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.